Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody <laughs> on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. And the podcast is also brought to you by OnX Maps. And with OnX Maps, you can know where you stand with the most accurate hunting GPS tech on the market with land ownership maps that work offline. Go to onxmaps.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 20% when you sign up for an app membership at onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. And we have a promo code for Gerber as well. Just use the code ELKTALK to save 20% on your orders at gerbergear.com. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to rockymountainhuntingcalls.com or buglingbull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. The Insider is changing how hunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK and when you do, when you sign up for the Insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. Lastly, the University of Elk Hunting online course is a proud partner of the Elk Talk podcast. And within the University of Elk Hunting online course, you're going to find nearly 60 chapters organized in 17 modules of elk hunting instruction aimed at making you a more successful elk hunter. From planning and e-scouting to calling strategies and packing, every imaginable elk hunting topic is included in the online course. And regardless of your previous elk hunting experience or success, I'm confident the University of Elk Hunting online course will make you a more confident, more successful elk hunter. Just visit elk101.com and use the promo code ELKTALK to save 20% when you sign up for a membership to the University of Elk Hunting online course. And with that, Corey... 
we are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Elk Talk podcast. Randy and I are still uh, stay-at-home ordered and self-quarantining, so we're doing this remotely, and hopefully uh, technology is on our side today. We struggled last week, so we're trying to get the uh, Montana episode out, and we, uh, we think we have a process here, so as long as... Uh, what's that? I was going to say, let's hope so. Let's, yeah. let's not get too far out in front of our skis here. Well, it's it's about equivalent of us sitting here with an old tape recorder and pushing record and play at the same time. And <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, on our party line telephone system here. <laughs> I thought I heard a Merle Haggard 8-track player in the background. Yeah, there, that was Corey. my neighbor picking up the phone, I think, and listening in on our party line. So. <laughs> How much snow you got there? You know, we got uh, probably six or eight inches last night, and it's still whiteout blizzarding today, so. Yeah. We're behind you by about maybe two or three hours, I guess, the way it's coming down right now. uh, The three inches I had when I took the dog out this morning is probably to five, and I I looked out the window and I couldn't see the neighbor's horses in my yard. So I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> Either they're in my yard and I just can't see it, or they're not in my yard and I don't need to worry about it. I was gonna say, no. Last night the uh, the snowflakes were probably up there with the biggest snowflakes I've seen. They were just those giant late spring, thirty four degree snowflakes, and man, they had up fast. Yeah. I worry about big dumps of snow this time of year for elk and deer. I mean, they're at their absolute lowest point in their cycle of of energy and fat reserves. And you just keep your fingers crossed that they're going to get through it. And then you get one of these spring blizzards like today. It's like, oh, no. Yep. Because we're at least I'm down in a valley here on the upper end of the valley. And I can't imagine how much snow we got up high. Or even in the foothills. Yeah. Now we have we've been trying to get out. So I uh, we made it out wolf hunting a couple times and started noticing a couple elk were dropping antlers. So our attention quickly shifted over to <laughs> shed hunting. Which man, it's it's bad this time of year. If you have any any indication of ADD, it's like there's a lot going on out, outside. So we uh, we took the motorcycles back in and we found a canyon and hiked back into it and we didn't have a whole lot of time just by the time we got back in there and hiked up the top of the mountain but there were 17 bowls back up in this little basin and three of them had dropped and so we sat back across the canyon just glassing them and I glassed up three antlers two of them were white from last year which anytime you can just first hillside you start glassing find a white antler it gets you excited because that means that people haven't really hammered it like they usually do oh okay so i found those and was excited and then i glassed up on the ridge and there was a giant brown antler a fresh one laying there and it was probably a it would have taken me two and a half to three hours to hike across to it and i'm looking at my watch and i'm supposed to be meeting tyler right then back at the trailhead <laughs> and i've got an hour hike down off the mountain to to get down to the trailhead so i thought it nobody's gonna nobody's gonna get in here and get it so i hiked back down took pictures of it and uh got down there and there were five people parked at the trailhead last week we didn't make it there but there were five trucks there horse trailers 
So now I'm, I fall asleep every night shuddering that somebody picked up my big brown elk antler that's over on that ridge. And now we've got probably a foot of snow at that elevation covering everything mm. up. So that might actually work in our favor. So once the snow melts, we might be able to go back in there and pick up the antlers oh. that got covered in snow. Well, that's the benefit of just hanging them in trees. Yeah. Well, if I would have walked all the way over there, I would have put it on my backpack and packed it out and not hung it in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get so much grief over hanging antlers in trees. And now anytime somebody finds an antler in a tree, they take a picture of it and then they send it to me. Were you here? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> where, where were you? Well, I don't want to tell you. Okay. Then I wasn't there. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm a little bit stir crazy right now, having been mostly stuck within the confines of my yard. Uh, I'm trying to think of how many arrows I've shot in the last week, how many rifles I've cleaned and polished, and yeah, yeah, crazy, yeah, it's crazy, crazy times. It is, yeah, and for us, you know, we've got three kiddos at home that are three teenagers at home so you talk about stir crazy it's everybody's Ooh. at each other's throat and we've been planning mm -hmm. on a camping trip we got out camping a week and a half ago and it was great but uh this weather it's not good camping weather and then yet on top of that as soon as the snow stops it's getting down into the single digits for three days so yeah. we're uh we're trying to get creative here and think of ways to enjoy each other's company a little more <laughs> yeah well you'll you'll have all the family time you need for the year so you exactly. can disperse once, once the restrictions go you you none of you will probably want to talk to each other for the next six months <laughs> uh this might be a good thing yeah, force well, them to get along <clears throat> my wife keeps asking don't you have something to do which <laughs> i think is code word for you know what you're getting on my nerves yeah and she's accustomed to me being gone for about six months out of the year and then at the CPA firm for another month or two. So <laughs> she's, uh, I don't know how that woman puts up with it, but oh well. <clears throat> but let's talk Colorado before we drift off into some hayride here yeah. that the audience thinks makes no sense. <laughs> that they didn't pay for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know anyone listening we do have a money back guarantee that's right that what what whatever you pay for this podcast to listen to it will give you your money back lifetime guarantee <laughs> <laughs> i tell people that about our youtube channel i'm like look if you don't like it we got a money back guarantee lifetime and they look at me and like what are you talking about and then they see me smile. They're like, oh, I get it. Smart Alec. <laughs> uh, so you said you already applied in Colorado. I did. I got it done yesterday. Oh, man, I'm dragging my feet because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I, I have enough points that I can draw. It's, it, you know, it only takes three or four points. When I, before we get into the details, I look at Colorado not as really uh, – uh, because it's a preference point system the difference between the quality of a hunt you can have with three points versus 10 points is almost insignificant yeah. so since i burned 19 points back in 2016 i'm back up to three points and i'm trying to decide all right what's my calendar gonna look like uh 
do I want to apply? I know I would probably draw based on last year. And I think given the economy, a lot of Colorado non-residents applying in Colorado might just buy points because there's so much uncertainty right now. Yep. So yeah. I'm, That's what I did. I'm trying to figure it out. I just bought so, just bought points myself and well, well, heck, you don't need me on this podcast other than for color commentary. Then you can just <laughs> walk everybody through. I'll be like the dandy Don Meredith on uh, Monday Night Football back in the seventies. I'll be whistling and singing and telling jokes that are kind of off color and make no sense. And <laughs> I wonder if anybody's sitting there going, "Well, isn't that what you normally do?" <laughs> Dang it. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. You set yourself up way too easily on that one. I know. I have a habit of doing that. Uh, (laughs) So should we get to at least the deadline before we drive everybody off? Yeah, April 7th. So coming up here really quickly. Yeah, 8 p.m. Mountain Time. Yep, online application deadline. Yes. If you the the best one piece sheet of information anyone can download, it's called the Colorado Big Game Hunting Planner, and it has all of this year's dates and deadlines for every season, and next year's season dates for every season. It's it's a oh, it might be a two pager. Now, on the back of it, they they put all the fees there. They try to hide that part on the back. <laughs> Small print on the back. <clears throat> yeah, with all kinds of little asterisks and and other things on there. You're like, hmm. All right, <clears throat> now I know why this is on the back and not on the front. <laughs> <clears throat> and then this year they they're promoting how they're giving away all these additional bear tags. Have you ever bear hunted in Colorado? No, but I've seen more bear the one time I hunted in Colorado than I saw elk. Yeah. I i don't know that I've ever hunted elk there that I didn't see bears or fresh bear tracks in the snow. Yep. And uh, so this year they're going to make it a little easier to add a bear tag to your elk tag if you want, if that's of interest to anybody. Yep. So... But that deadline, you got to go online, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and click the little tab there. And uh, do we do we do we want to talk about the point system? Uh, let's maybe start with the cost. Okay, you start <laughs> with the cost since you've already you've already had your credit card hammered. You tell me what it costs you. Yep. No, and Colorado's another state that you know has changed things up in the last couple of years and. Used to be if you uh, you'd, you'd apply and you had to pay up front for the least expensive option, even if you wanted a point. So, for me applying for a point, I would have to pay for a cow elk tag, an antlerless elk tag up front to get my point, and then I'd get it refunded back all but the fifty dollars for the point. So it was kind of a a process. They changed it a couple of years ago, so now you have to purchase a qualifying license in order to apply, and that includes applying and purchasing a point. So the least expensive qualifying license is the annual small game hunting license, and for a non-resident, that'll cost you $82.78. And on top of that, you have to pay a $10.13 habitat stamp fee. So you're $93 and well, right at $93 just in the license and habitat fee. And then they have a $9 non-resident application fee per species. So 
you're uh, you're sitting just over a hundred dollars to apply for or to purchase a point in the state of wow. Colorado. That that is when you think about how it used to be. What you just walked through there as the new manner is definitely a big difference, both in terms of what you got to do and also cost. Yeah. I mean, you used to be able to build points in Colorado by just fronting a bunch of money, and they'd take, what, five bucks? Uh, a long time ago. A long time bucks, ago, yep. And then, <clears throat> and then they changed it to and, 50. Yeah. So, hmm. So, you, just to get your point, and if you were to have applied, it's the same cost, other than if you draw, they're going to hit your credit card. After the draw, correct. And an elk Word. elk tag in Colorado is six hundred and seventy dollars and twenty five cents. Really? So you'd be seventy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Plus, well, and if you're into if you're going to do a cow, I was just going to say, yep, five hundred and three bucks, something like that. Yep. So, huh? And Colorado is interesting. Their legislature had, and I think it's still in play, uh, like a cpi cost of uh living index uh where it goes up every year um, so it goes up with inflation so that way they don't have to go back to the legislature and fight for a fee increase like in montana we do a fee increase about every seven or eight years and then it's a 40 percent increase when we do it <clears throat> yep so those are th- those are the costs all right well Break out your credit card. <laughs> you know, and, and realistically, uh, to hunt elk there, if you, if you wanted to go hunt, you know, the, we're talking about the draws here, and there's a plethora yeah. of opportunity for over-the-counter, <clears throat> but the, the fees are going to be the same. You know, your license, your um, elk tag, all that, it's still, you're going to be paying, you know, close to $800 probably to hunt elk in Colorado for the license and tag. Yeah. And I, I always tell people that when Colorado went to this upfront cost thing, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things Colorado's known for is the best meal they're hunting in the lower 48. So you may as well buy another point for mule deer once you sunk that cost. Yep. So. so speaking of speaking of points, yeah, how's the point process work? The point process is a true preference point system. And Colorado started there. They were the first state. <coughs> Excuse me, Corey. I don't know what I got in my throat here. <clears> throat> See if I can get to the point where I can talk again. I must have been telling too many jokes this morning at breakfast. And my <laughs> wife probably put something in my eggs or something. But uh, so uh, I'm trying to remember when Colorado started it. I think it was 1988, something like that. So they were the first day to really start a point system, and they came right out of the gate with a preference point system for deer and elk and, and antelope. Not going to get into the complications of moose, goat, and sheep. Uh, you might want to hire an attorney to explain that to you. Uh, but like we've discussed on many prior podcasts, uh, a preference point system is he or she with the most points gets the tag. So if there's a Let's say uh, four non-resident tags are all that's available in a certain hunt code, and three of those people have 10 points, and they're the highest point holder. There goes three of those four tags to those applicants with 10 points. That means there's one tag left as they move down the pile, 
And if there are six applicants at nine points, only one out of those six is going to get a tag. And that's just randomly pulled out of those six applicants. So it, it, you can look at GoHunt and you can see what the odds were or what the point requirements were last year. And yeah, that doesn't predict what everybody's going to do this year, but it's, it's pretty reliable. I mean, I, I use it as kind of my way of saying, all right, I know I'm probably through the fog here. I've got enough points where I've got clear sailing if I want to tag in this unit or that unit. And so there is some predictability is I think is one of the benefits of a preference point system. But if there's any state that has point creep, in other words, you get a point this year and you think you're gaining ground and then you find out that the unit you want, it took two two extra points this year and you only gained one. Uh, there, That happens because there's a lot of people standing on the sidelines just buying points. And then when they see they have enough points, they jump in. And so it kind of messes up your application strategy a little bit, but it's just a reality of states with preference point systems. Absolutely. I have uh, 16 points for deer and elk in Colorado. What? And when I started applying 16 years ago, it took 10 points to draw unit 2 or 201, which are kind of the premier elk units in the northwest corner of the state there. And so I thought, I'll put in my time, 10 or 12 years, and, and I'll draw the best tag in the state. Today, it takes 27 points to draw that same tag as a non-resident. Oh, 27. So, I'm glad I burned my 19 points four years ago. Yeah, 27 points. And that's for the archery title. Actually, you know, I mean, that's max. So, And you aren't guaranteed, you know, for the... Uh, let's see, for the archery tag, you would be 100% guaranteed with 27 points. And for the muzzleloader tag, uh, you'd have a 17 to 33% chance with maximum points. Wow. Wow. That's, that's why I'm now in the mode where once I get to three or four points, I'm just going on a hunt. And the, the points that or what I can get for a hunt with three or four points, yeah, it's not going to be the age class of elk like up in the northwest corner there in the units you were talking about. But if I do the first rifle hunt, every first rifle hunt in Colorado is on a limited draw. So the quality of the hunt is probably going to be better. And by that, I mean there's not going to be the woods filled with people like, uh, and we'll get into this later, the -the over-the-counter hunts in the second and third rifle seasons so if you're if you're looking to build points in colorado i would say figure that after three to five years you may as well just burn them because anything beyond that you're never going to catch the the dream and the quality of of experience for each year you wait probably isn't worth it yep yeah, I mean, it's, and you're exactly right. I think uh, looking at my points, I'm in that no man's land. I'm sitting there at 16 points and, you know, unit 76, which is kind of, you know, I wouldn't even say it's a great unit. There's a lot of elk there for sure, but trophy potential isn't that high. It takes 14 points, uh, 15 to be guaranteed to draw that tag now. And it used to be a three or four point hunt. And there's just so few quality hunts and there's so many people with points in Colorado now that those upper tier ones are just, 
They're just running yeah. out of. They're they're running away from us. I mean, they really are. They're they're creeping up faster than we're we're building points. So, yeah. And if you out on the Colorado website, you can find how many people have what point level. Uh, and if you can't find it, call them. They can get you that information. But when you look at it, what you see is that in Colorado. They, there is this bubble of people standing on the sidelines buying points every year that jumped into the point system back when it cost five bucks. Yep. And you look at the draw odds and you think, oh, the, there's not that many people applying. There's more people on the sidelines buying points, especially at double-digit point levels, than are actually applying. Well, I'm prime example, 16 points, and I've never <laughs> once applied for a hunt. I've always just bought a point, and the yeah. time I hunted there was over the counter. So so what you're saying is someday when you have enough points, you're going to be one of those guys who messes up the point creep operation. Yep, and I actually, I, the unit that I want that I'm going to hunt, I have well more points than what I need. It's just a matter of aligning calendars and schedules now to draw the hunt and go hunt it. Okay. So with Colorado, you apply by this deadline of April 7th, and they this year they've committed that you will find out the first week of June. In prior years, you used to find a, they'd commit to letting you know a little bit earlier, usually by mid-May. But So it's just what you're signing up for when you decide to do the limited entry draw in Colorado. Yep. The other thing I that's, love Colorado. No, Colorado's a great state for opportunity and number of animals. Yeah. yeah, it's and I think, you know, the the number of hunters that hunt there each fall indicate that it's a popular state cuz it uh, <laughs> they have a lot of elk, but they also have a lot of hunters. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And there are a couple changes this year. Um, maybe we should get into the over the counter thing while we're talking about it. Uh Colorado has a lot of units where you can get just an over-the-counter tag, which is why when we did our podcast about if you had $1,000, here's an option for you. Colorado is one of those options is you go there and you buy an over-the-counter tag. And that applied to archery seasons in, I think, I don't know, 80 units, something like that. There's a bunch, yeah. And the second and third rifle seasons. Well, if you look at the maps for this year, there has been some changes to that where for the archery season anyhow, some of the units in southwest Colorado got put on a limited entry draw and are no longer an over-the-counter option for the archery hunts. Yep. There's a lot of people that... You know, bought an over-the-counter tag and hunted those Southwest units for a lot of years that this year are going to have to apply to hunt or if they get the uh, over-the-counter tag are not going to be able to hunt in those units. Yep. So just be aware. I'd say that's probably the biggest change for Colorado this year. I I just wonder how many people are going to get tripped up on that. Yeah. Um, and the season dates for those. I was going to say another change that was nice is now they have uh, season dates that are established. And yeah, they, they Colorado goes on a five-year season process or season date setting or season type setting, something like that. So now the seasons are set for the next five years. 
Let's see. This year, archery season. I think in this ne- this last round, they set the archery season dates as just hard dates on the calendar instead of you know the third Saturday in October or whatever. They did. Yep. So it's September second through September thirtieth is the archery season, no matter what. Which the beauty of that is they used to do it. You know, I don't remember if it was the first or the last Saturday in August or, you know, and then it was open for four weeks or how they did it. But I know that the year we hunted there, it opened on like August 25th and it closed on September 24th or something. And so it was an earlier season. And now that they've shuffled it and put it on a calendar date instead of, you know, the first Saturday or whatever, it's uh, September 2nd through September 30th. So those dates are going to be really good and it's also going to give people a little bit more time after that muzzleloader season hits that runs in the middle of archery season yeah so if you are an archer and this is your first time in colorado know that in the middle of that season the limited entry muzzleloader draw allows people to come and hunt this year september 12th through the 20th and next year september 11th through the 19th so you just you want to be aware of that yep yeah because there's some units where there is a a pretty good number of muzzleloader tags that are given out in the draw in those units and you will see an increase in people and you'll hear muzzleloaders going off all around you (laughs) which as an archery hunter can be a little frustrating so know know what you're getting into and and that's always a tough one people always you know i get a ton of emails specific to colorado and specific to what date should I hunt that archery hunt? Because, you know, should I go early before the muzzleloader? Should I go during the muzzleloader? Or should I wait until after the muzzleloader? And there's benefits and, and consequences to each of those choices. Yeah. Well, the well, the limited entry rifle hunts. Uh, and so a lot of the archery hunts are limited entry also, the, the high quality ones. But what we're saying is, you, you kind of have to decide if I want to do one of the limited entry hunts, whether it's rifle, archery, or muzzleloader, uh, I got this deadline. Your fallback is, all right, I didn't draw one of those more demand units because I didn't have enough points. So then you can take advantage of this over-the-counter option. And uh, those over-the-counter rifle tags are available for the second and third rifle seasons, which this year the dates for the second rifle season is November 20 or October 24th through November 1st. And the third is November 7th through the 13th. So, but you can't, you can't do over the counter for first rifle or fourth rifle. Those are all limited entry to my knowledge. Uh, and uh, the first rifle, this is the one I'm contemplating, is October 10th through the 14th. Uh, and this year, the fourth rifle is November 18th through the 22nd. So, lots of options. Yeah, lots of lots of hunting seasons. <laughs> you just got to be on your toes, though, because a lot of people come from a state where it's just, okay, it's deer season. The whole state has the same regulations. Colorado, you got to download the proclamations, and you have to look at each unit, what the season dates are. Is it one of the over-the-counter units or not? Is it limited entry for certain hunts and over-the-counter for others? Or just 
there's a lot there you got to be paying attention to. So, what else we got cooking for elk? They got, depending on the year, they've got anywhere from 250 to 280,000 elk in Colorado. A lot of elk. Highest population of elk in any state. Yeah. Yeah. By a large number. Yeah. And we've already talked about the wolf situation there, so we won't (laughs) pound on that, but hopefully we're able to uh, keep wolves away from Colorado so they can keep that high population. I hope so. And if you haven't heard that podcast, we did a podcast that it's probably the highest blood pressure I've ever seen Corey Jacobson have. (laughs) Uh, Talking about the calamity of potential, potential calamity of reintroducing wolves in Colorado. Yeah. We'll we'll stay away from there because we're being positive today. (laughs) But on a positive Uh, note in Colorado, youth hunting opportunity in Colorado for a non-resident is incredible. A a youth non-resident can get a qualifying small game license for $1.26. And their youth elk tag is just $102. So to be able to take a youth elk hunting with you in Colorado, uh, it's a great state to be able to to introduce a young hunter to the sport of elk hunting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And if if you are interested in building points for them, it's a cheap state to build points in also. Absolutely. For youth. Which, Which, as you mentioned, you know, can come in real handy in three to five years on some of those rifle hunts, uh, be able to take them on a, a good, you know, not a high pressure, a lot of people everywhere, a good limited entry rifle hunt. Now I know why Colorado went to online only applications. They didn't want these kids mailing an envelope with 102 pennies in it. <laughs> or 126, 126 pennies. pennies. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but it, you, there's probably some there. more in postage than what you'd, uh, <laughs> what you'd include in the envelope. Uh, uh, but those youth hunts are for, what is it, 12 to 17? I yeah, think I think is, is the 12 age. years old. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's really really a good opportunity. Colorado also. This is one thing that trips up a lot of first time applicants is the hunter education requirement in Colorado. Uh, what is it? Anyone born after 1949, if I remember right? Yep. Uh, and you got to have it on file with them. So don't don't wait until the last second and think, oh, I'm going to apply, and then you can't find your Hunter Ed card or whatever. So, and It then, is, it is handy it? having all of these agencies online now. Oh, yeah. Because I'm able to just log into Idaho's system and get my Hunter Ed number while I'm applying for Colorado. And it used to be, you know, I'd dig through drawers and <laughs> look everywhere for my last year's licenses and look for one of my applications that had the Hunter Ed number on it and... Having everything online is is certainly it streamlines things and makes it more efficient for us to keep organized. Yeah, um, when you're out in the field, if you come from a state like say your state of Idaho, where there is no hunter orange requirement, uh, make sure you understand. In Colorado, you you got to have two items. You got to have a uh, a vest or a jacket above the waist, and then you got to have a hat. 
our cap. So kind of like Utah, you got to have a bit of both. Yep. And that's where the term, the sea of orange, the orange army comes from. <laughs> there's a lot of orange and a lot of hunters. <clears throat> I got to pick on my friends, my family back in Minnesota. Minnesotans take the hunter orange thing to the nth level. I mean, we're talking even the soles of their boots are orange. <laughs> they, they, they wear like these great big snowmobile mummy suits of one piece orange. It's like whoa that's some serious stuff there nobody there is going to get shot or if you get shot getting and you're dressed like that it wasn't an accident (laughs) 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 Uh, so a guy like me who's contemplating what am i going to do and is my calendar going to be messed up because i'm sure i'm going to draw if i apply for this i'm interested in the availability of a refund uh, option uh, in Colorado. And if I remember right, I, I should go and read this. I, I know there's an option in Colorado. Uh, I think you have the either or. Either you get your money back and no points, or you get your points, rest- you get a point rest- restored. Uh, but you don't get your money back, if I remember right. Yeah, I, it's on Go Hunt here, and <clears throat> I think it says something. Uh, if you drew a license you would like to return, payment for the license is still required first. You can then return it for a refund or preference point restoration. You must relinquish your license and tag at least 30 days before the opening day of the season for which the license is valid. All right. Plus, they charge you... What is it, twenty or twenty-five dollars or something to process a refund or return? So I'm gonna apply in Colorado. I know I'm gonna draw the tag, and I guess then I'm just gonna decide, all right, can I make this fit the calendar or or can can I not? And uh, go from there. Yep. But I really don't care to leave six hundred dollars on the table or six hundred and whatever dollars on the table. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I uh, us accountants we're kind of tightwad about that stuff, so well, we we do our best to to not get in that situation. But as I'm looking at our calendar unfolding this year and all the places the crew says we're going to be filming, I don't know. Uh, you want to come good. with if I draw? What in are you Colorado? doing? In a, yeah, what are you doing in October? Oh, well, we've got the... Uh, oh, you the, got the hunt of the lifetime. Yeah, we've got the youth hunt that we're doing. And okay. then uh, it, it, we're still all up in the air. We haven't locked in our schedule at all because <clears throat> it'll depend on draws. You know, we put in four Wyoming. Uh, we've got Idaho as a fallback. We're still looking at possibly going to Oregon for Roosevelt again. Uh, and, if you know, depending on how things line out, we may rifle hunt here in Idaho mid-October. Yeah. Well, I'm if I draw, I'm taking four llamas way back into this place. <laughs> and uh, our buddy Bo Beatty, the llama guy, he said, "Well, I'm coming with you." I'm like, well, okay. Well, if Bo's going, maybe I will go. I was gonna say <laughs> when you go with Bo, and he does his whole camp setup the way he he does it, you gain weight on an elk hunt. It so, was insane. Yeah. Yeah. I've never so, been in such a warm tent, and I've never had such good food at an elk camp. 
if you're if you're thinking of hunting this fall, you better get your llama rentals done soon. I talked yeah. about it the other day, and he, you know, in the summertime, he does all these vacation trips like backpack trips and photograph trips and fishing trips for large groups but with the whole coronavirus thing he said that that's really slow right now he said but it doesn't seem to be affecting hunters so if anyone's (laughs) asking you about renting their llamas he said you tell them they better call me soon so yep call him soon (laughs) bo Beatty, wilderness ridge trail llamas just don't try to get these four that i want in october Uh, so just to uh, circle back around in Colorado, there are 127 OTC archery units. Really? There are 147 over-the-counter second rifle season units and 94 over-the-counter third rifle season units. So Holy a lot smokes. of opportunity there. Uh, and then of, of those, uh, or outside of those, there are 36 archery draw units. And of those, 28 of them can be drawn with zero to seven points. So points aren't necessarily a bad thing in Colorado. Uh, but like Randy said, the difference between you know some of these over-the-counter hunts and some of these hunts that take zero to seven points might not be a big difference for, for the archery. For the second rifle, or for the first rifle, uh, the draws, there's definitely some advantages there yeah one one thing that always messes me up when i go to colorado and i think i've hunted the -the over-the-counter hunts five times uh uh is the their state land rules are way different than what you have in idaho and what we have in montana um in colorado the state land board they're the blue little blue that you see on your onyx map the light powder blue, that's state land. Well, in Colorado, those lands are not open to hunting unless Colorado Parks and Wildlife leases those lands from the state land board. And I think they lease 12 to 15% of the lands. So the other 85% are leased by private parties and they control the access to those state lands. So if you're coming there, and you're a little bit kind of habituated to being able to hunt those state lands, know that in Colorado there's only certain state lands you can hunt, and it's not that many of them. Man. Yeah. State land is private land in Colorado. It is. And if you, it used to say on their state land website in big, bold letters, State trust lands are not public lands, and we did a, a YouTube series of YouTube videos on that, and somebody got a hold of me. <laughs> Where did you find that? I said, it's right on your website. That screenshot came from your website. The next day, that was taken off their website. <laughs> it's not that they've changed their policy. They just it's don't want just to advertise a, it. <laughs> right, because everyone says the same thing you just said. Wait a second. These are state lands, but they're not public lands. So yep. that's a whole nother topic for another day. But if you are a hunter, there are some places where there's an abundance of these light blue state lands and they're not accessible. It's very frustrating. Crazy. But it just is what it is. So yep. 
just know that don't don't go bebopping along and then end up getting a citation for trespassing yeah another interesting fact i'm i'm just out here on go hunt insider and there are seven archery limited units so you have to apply for these units but there are seven of them that i've found just right here just in filtering uh that take less than five points to draw so two to five points for a non-resident to draw that have over 20% harvest success rate for archery season. Whoa. And those same units, most of them are in the 40 to 50% range for first rifle and take similar points, zero to four points to draw. So I better as you mentioned, as you mentioned, there are some, you know, it's, I'm not going to say that you're going to shoot a 320 inch bowl in, in all of these units, but it's a limited hunt where you're going to have fewer people in the field and your success rates. Anytime we're talking archery success rates of 20 to 30%, that's a good hunt. That's, that's yeah. I, I would, I, I would have a headache because I know that I'm going to have opportunities in a, in a hunt that has overall harvest success of 20 to 30%. That just, that yeah. tells me there's going to be opportunity there. Yeah. Huh. I need to look closer. I'm glad I haven't done my application yet. Yeah. Maybe I don't need to go way the heck and gone back in there. But the reason I picked this unit is every time I drive by there, I say someday I want to be back there in October when the aspens are yellow. <laughs> and so it's more of a just the adventure experience trip than it is the elk hunting. But so that seems to be a common theme with you. <laughs> I'm kind of like a tourist. I just <laughs> no, I haven't been here before. I've always said I'm going to go there, so I just go there, whether there's any good hunting or not. And I just got to get these things crossed off my list so I can That's say right. I've done it. But uh, what else do we have? Oh, on these over-the-counter hunts, if you show up before season opens, you can buy your tag either online or at any licensed vendor. If you show up after season is open, you have to buy that tag from a Colorado Parks and Wildlife office. So That is a great point, and I think we mentioned it. It might have been last year in the podcast. I just remember talking about it that we went down there uh, when I hunted the day before season, and fortunately, we thought about getting our license and tag ahead of time, and found, I think it was a Walmart, and were able to buy it there. Had we waited one more day, we would have had to have drove a long way to a CPW office and buy it there. And so if somebody's coming in from out of state and you're showing up on a Saturday and the season opened the day before, or it's been open for a week, you're going to have to wait until Monday probably to get your license. So just keep that in mind that you cannot just show up after the season's opened. Although they're over the counter, you can't just show up and buy them anywhere. You have to go to a Colorado Parks and Wildlife office to purchase those. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to know that I'm going back to Colorado this year. Yeah. So, somehow, right. some way, I'll be there. I remember, it was it two years ago? You went there and uh, I think it, you, you mentioned it was the worst pack out you've ever had on an elk or... It was, yeah, that was that was 2016. It's I, been that I, long. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I will never. In fact, someone emailed me the other day and said, hey, I, I think I know what unit you were in. Uh, I want to go there. And so we exchanged emails back and forth. And he explained to me that he's from 
uh, a place where you just can't get a lot of mountain training. Uh, explain to me how old, you know, what his age is. And as politely as I could, I said, you know, even at my age and the, the fact I get to run around these mountains, if I, if you gave me that tag, I would not go back to where I shot that ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going back there. I just, no, I've, it, it was stupid. But there are places in Colorado where you can shoot an elk where you regret shooting that elk. Yeah. But you guys have some of those in Idaho. We do. Yep. Yeah. And so. I, I, they're marked on my map clearly. Stay away. <laughs> Don't go here. <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, we always find ourselves in those areas, especially this oh. time. You're like shed hunting. I swear, we, we put more effort into getting into rugged, nasty places looking for elk sheds than we do a lot of times during actual elk season. That's stupid. It's, we tell ourselves that, but then we keep going back for some reason. I, you might want to have a diagnosis for that malady. I, and it really is. There is a, there's, there's some trigger or there's some genetic deficiency or something because I can't explain it. Like there's just something about shed hunting and anybody who's listening who is a shed hunter gets it. And everybody else who's not a shed hunter is shaking their head and, and just wondering what are they thinking? But I took uh, took my son Isaac last week out, and uh, I picked up a couple brown elk antlers, first two of the year that I picked up, and uh, he found one from last year that somehow we missed. We were in the area last year, a real nice six-point, and uh, I was talking to him yesterday. He's like, hey, when you guys go on your big trip next week, is there, is there room for one more? <laughs> and I got a little excited, and he's like, I don't know what it was, but just picking up that antler, it, it was like... I want to do this more. And so, I, you know, he's, he's got the genetic deficiency or the, <laughs> whatever it is that causes it. But we're, uh, there's, there's a, it, it's kind of like a hound hunter. You know, a, yeah. a hound hunter is just a rare breed. A horn hunter, you know, a shed hunter. There's just, there's something there that you either have it or you don't. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, uh, I'll, I'll go blueberry picking or something or I'll mow my grass whatever i've i've got two shed antlers and i just happened to find them last year in wyoming uh a match set laying right in the trail that they'd missed so i kept those not because i have any big use for them but they were kind of in the way it was either put them <laughs> in your pack and carry them out or trip over them so. and there was no tree close by to hang them in th so. th that is true a lot of people in the footage said well if he wasn't out in the sage and he didn't have to walk a mile to get to the nearest tree, he would have hung him in a tree. Totally. And they're, and they're right. I would have. Uh, I remember in New Mexico with you, we were down there and Ben Potter was following us around filming and you were going and hanging antlers in a tree. And, and I think he and Marcus were walking around behind, <laughs> pulling them out of the tree and putting them on their backpacks. We got back to the truck and they had a backpack loaded of antlers. You're like, where'd you find those? And they're like, they're all the ones you hung in the trees. <laughs> Uh, yeah well i guess that's a good reason for people to get out and about this time of year it is. Uh, i'll get out and about bear hunting before i'll get out and about looking for antlers but and we saw yeah. six bears on saturday so no they're way yeah it's the earliest yeah that's the earliest and we saw when i took my uh, our whole family went uh two weeks ago on a little shed hunting trip and my wife 
was coming down the hill and there was a dead elk there. And so they were kind of looking around to see if the ivories had been taken out of it or anything and turned around and there was a sow and a cub about 40 yards away, had a little encounter there with them. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, it's fairly early. I think that was March 15th, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, Saturday there were six of them. There's a sow with three cubs and then uh, two good sized boars that were out. We also saw a mountain lion. Tyler uh, Crockett went with us and he saw a mountain lion. And of course, Isaac and uh, Isaac had his rifle there and didn't make it over in time, but it was just laying on a rock at about 800 yards out there. And by the time they got back, it had moved, but hmm. saw a couple of coyotes and a fox. So yeah, it was, it was a good day to be out and found a couple elk sheds and good to, good to get out and away from the news feed, which sometimes makes us think that yeah. life isn't yeah. as good as it is. Yeah. I, I purposefully have followed the John Prine motto blow up your tv i haven't physically blown it up but i don't turn it on yeah i just i got better things to do and i want to think about fun stuff like hunting and and everything else and uh but if there's one good thing that's been coming to this i don't know what they call it stay at home rules yeah Uh, a bad part is my wife is really good at baking things so (laughs) i've I'm going to have to go tell Sitka I need some new clothes for next season. <laughs> but, boy, I've really been chiseling away at the freezer. I, 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 ha, I went to British Columbia last year, and I shot a mountain caribou. And I told them I want to bring all the meat home. We brought a freezer up in the pickup truck and everything. I think they gave me every person who shot a caribou last year, I think I got all their meat. <laughs> Because an animal only has two back straps, right? <laughs> that is this, correct. This winter, I've already eaten about 20 feet of back straps. Man. Off this caribou. I'm like, wait a second. I think, but that's fine with me. I, you know, I wish I had 30 feet. I was going to say, if anybody is giving out back strap off of just about any animal, I don't know very many people that would turn it down. Yeah. So that's how I'm keeping a smile on my face, being locked in the confines of my my couple acres out here in suburban Montana, is cleaning rifles, shooting my bow. Uh, I, I was out uh, tweaking on my wife's boat the other day also. I, uh, <laughs> Your wife's boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's absolutely I know. true. It's, it's funny to hear you say yeah. that. But. And then I came home from, she sent me somewhere on some errands. I came home, there's a brand new, big, long tube leaned up against the side of the house that the UPS guy dropped off. She bought some more fishing rods. <laughs> I, you know, some people hoard food during times like this. My wife has been hoarding fishing rods and tackle. Man. I don't know. Well, that's a pretty good way to self-isolate. Just put yourself in a boat and <laughs> go fishing. Uh, yeah. Well, should we let the, the audience go, Corey? I don't think I've got anything more that's – not that anything I provided is of value, but I think it's going to be of even less value if I keep talking. No, I think we've uh, we've covered Colorado. Colorado is a great state filled with opportunity. I think uh, for a first-time elk hunter, it's it's high up there on the list. Um, I think you know for over-the-counter opportunities, there's nowhere better than Colorado to be able to have 127 archery units and 147 rifle units that you can go and hunt uh, over the counter. So. 
Can, can I add uh, one additional access piece for people who are always looking for a place to hunt? Yes. So we, we've got all kinds of cool national forests in Colorado. I mean, I look at there's the Gunnison, uh, the Isabel, the Arapaho, Roosevelt, White River, Medicine Bow, you know, tons of land there to hunt. I think 23 million acres of BLM and Forest Service. The other really cool tool that you should be using if you're planning your hunt is it's a combination of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Onyx. If you go out on your Onyx app and turn on the Elk Foundation layer, you will show all of these projects RMEF has done in Colorado and the amount of access that has been created and there's some gems in there. I'm not going to tell people where they are, but there, <laughs> there's some spots there that if you have that layer and someone else doesn't, mm, they might be going off an old map that doesn't have the, uh, the updated information or RMEF has acquired some property and then turned it over to either the state parks and wildlife or the Forest Service or BLM. And you'll have access that other people think is not access. So just a yep. little tidbit <laughs> there in my – I don't want to get too specific because a bunch of guys will email us, shut up, Newberg. Uh, but RMEF is doing a ton for access, and Onyx is working with them to make sure everybody knows where all that access is and uh, take advantage of it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, just while you were talking, I jumped out to – onxmaps.com and opened it up, turned on the RMEF layer, and a whole bunch of little RMEF logos pop up all over the state of Colorado. <laughs> and you click on them, and there's all sorts of information there. Access permitted, yes. Hunting permitted, yes. Managing partner, you know, there's BLM, there's Colorado Division of Wildlife, there's yep. all these places that have opened access, and a lot of times hunting permissions, so... Yep. Great information. Yeah. So that's, uh, I just, as much as I don't want to give away all the secrets, I feel that we at least got to give away that amount of information. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, Corey, I, I hope that you uh, have your snowblower gassed up. Of course, <laughs> you, got three, you got three teenagers. You don't need a snowblower. Oh, I don't? Huh. Oh, well, maybe you could help me explain that to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went For out sure. this morning before our, before I came down here to the office to record this, and I turned on the ATV with the snow plow on it and plowed all the snow off of our driveway. Poor, my youngest, Sam, he has been out there probably four times and spent multiple hours shoveling ice off of our basketball court. We have an asphalt basketball court. And he has shoveled and shoveled and shoveled to get that thing de-iced and dried off. And he has been out there for the last three weeks playing basketball. You know, there's still two and a half feet of snow surrounding the court, but the court's open. <laughs> and I went out this morning and my heart just sank for him because there's eight inches of new snow sitting on his basketball court. So I took the ATV and plowed it all off. And by the time I got done, there's already another inch of snow on it. So I'm sure I'm going to have to do it again this afternoon. But uh, Well, I, I yeah, I'll send him an email. Hey, you know what? For Mother's Day coming up in May, I think all of you kids, while you're homebound, you should clean the house and you should go shovel the driveways. 
I'll, re- I'll record their watch. response. <laughs> <laughs> I was over at some friend's house a while back, and it happened to be the, the wife's birthday. And I wished her happy birthday, and all the kids were sitting around, and they're all, I think, 12 to 18 years old. And I said, you know, uh, the best birthday present I used to give my mom was to clean her house for her birthday. And the three kids instantly looked at me like, would you shut up? <laughs> and the mom looks over at the three kids with a big smile. I'm like, all right, I'll let you. See you later. <laughs> uh, well, I better – let's quit this before I get into marital planning and advice. Yep. It, it, it would definitely go downhill at that point. Yeah, so. that's for sure. Well, thanks, Corey. Yep, stay warm. Thank you. St- stay dry. Let me know how many elk antlers you got. If I trip over some, I'll send them your way. That sounds great. Thanks, right. folks. Yep. Thanks for listening.